0: Blob Talk Radio
1: It's time to get ready for a journey into the love of art and the art of love. Welcome to Slightly Askew with Nancy at Noon. The show that takes an honest look into the heart of all things that shape the fabric of your entire life. And now, here's Nancy.
0: Hello, how you doing out there today? I'm your host, Nancy Murdoch, and you are listening to episode number four. We're just rocking and rolling along into this new year. I have a great show for you today, and later in the show, Caitlin Trepanier will be joining me to tell us all about the importance of developing the life skill. Respect. as Aretha Franklin says. And she's going to tell us a little bit about how respect has dramatically improved her life. Before we get started, if you have a question you want answered, you can send it to me at nancy at nancy dot com. And maybe it will be chosen to be answered on air. If you can't wait, that's okay too. I have a really cool email consultation service that is affordable and not just custom tailored to your needs. You also receive your response in a very timely manner so you can put the guidance to use immediately. All right, our first question today is from Joe. Joe writes, Dear Nancy, one of my biggest how-the-fuck-does-it-work quests is food and health, and what confuses me the most is the idea that you create your own reality, but some foods are bad for your health. With most teachers, there's just conflicting messages like with Abraham and Bashar, but then the biggest one is Teal Swan who maintains that meat lowers your vibration and also a quote, I have never met anyone who could handle dairy even if they think they can, unquote. So then what's all this about beliefs? I think there is a bias there. Signed, Joe. Well, Joe, thank you for verbalizing what most of us health-conscious individuals are thinking every time we make something to eat. What is the truth about food? There is so much conflicting information, we don't know what to believe anymore. But I have some answers that will put you on the right track and hopefully eliminate the mystery and confusion. A few years ago, I was in the same confused state that you are in now. I was reading and hearing so much conflicting information. Eat this. Don't eat that. This is good. This is bad. I said, enough. I need to know the truth about what to eat once and for all. When we make an intention, especially an emotionally charged intention, that is infused with determination, the answer usually shows up on our doorstep in a very timely manner. That's exactly what happened for me. I found my answer at an ashram that was a couple hours outside of Montreal. I stayed there for, I don't know, about a month, give or take, and I have not had any confusion whatsoever about how to nourish myself or my family since that experience, because what I learned made total sense to me. Here's the skinny. The purpose of food is to build and nourish the body, that's all. In order to know what to eat, you need to know your body and pay attention to your body's needs. Our bodies are made up of earth, water, fire, air, and space or ether. All food is made up of the same five elements. You are what you eat, literally. Each of us consists of different proportions of these five elements. But when you know your unique constitution, you will know what to eat in order to bring balance to your physical body. The best foods for human consumption are the simplest foods because they pass through the digestive system the fastest. Simple foods consist of a plant-based diet of fruits and vegetables. More complex foods take longer to break down and often don't break down 100% it should only take about two and a half hours to pass through your digestive system once you've had a meal. When foods don't break down they create toxins in your body. Toxins are the main cause of dis-ease. And since these toxins need to be eliminated from the body it takes energy away from you creating fatigue and lethargy, which is the complete opposite of why you are eating in the first place. Simple foods have less complex cellular memory. Humans have the most complex cellular memory. So, foods that are the farthest away from humans are the best foods to eat for your physical body. For instance, a carrot will go through your digestive process faster than a cow.
2: Let's talk about
0: that for a minute. A cow, a crow, and a snake are the closest to the evolution of the human soul. A crow is very close to a human because of its higher intelligence its ability to use tools, and its sophisticated social behavior. A snake is closest to the inner process of the human being, the way we vibrate, our vibrational frequency, in other words. A snake has the highest sense of perception. It knows the slightest change that is happening with the planet long before any human knows because it is so connected with the ground, with the earth. Many religions teach that the snake is Satan, but in India it represents kundalini energy or the rising of consciousness. And cows have emotions that are closest to that of a human being. If you sit with a cow and talk to him about your problems or your pain, the cow will shed tears. Literally shed tears. It's about recognizing the qualities that are in nature and being aware of your own qualities. Since you probably aren't going to include crow or snake in your diet, let's look at the cow. Since the cow has complex cellular memory, you will not be able to fully digest it. Thus, it putrefies faster than other foods in your digestive system and creates toxins in the body, setting a ripe environment for disease, since toxins create disease. All foods have qualities, and it's important to know the inherent qualities of the food you eat, just like it's important to know the qualities of your body. For example, a carrot has the qualities of being sweet, bitter, and astringent in taste, and it has a cooling effect on the body. An orange has the qualities of being sweet, sour, and heating, which means it creates heat in the body. It's also heavy, promotes appetite, and is more difficult to digest. Meat has the inherent qualities of being dull, heavy, and thick. You asked why meat lowers your vibration? Well, there are... Several reasons, actually. One reason, because it contains fear. The animals waiting to be slaughtered know what's happening. I mean, don't assume that they don't know. They know they are going to be killed, and they are terrified, just like you would be if you were put in that position. They're probably feeling hatred towards the humans who are slaughtering them, too. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you? Remember that I said that animals have emotions? Well, you are consuming those emotions whether you believe it or not. I'm not even talking about the hormones, chemicals, and drugs with which these animals are injected. Also, meat today is of very poor quality because it's taken from animals who get very little, if any, exercise. Lack of exercise means the toxins don't get flushed out of the cell tissues of the animal. They're all there waiting for you, baby. You're eating all those chemicals and drug-producing toxins and the fear toxins. That alone should make you choose a different diet. The greater the violence in collecting our food, the more anger, hatred, and violence within yourself and in society. Fear and hatred are lower vibrations, as you probably know. So however you consume these emotions, they will affect your own vibration. But here's a cool fact. In India, cooks are often selected according to their devoutness so that while they are cooking the food, there is more chance that uplifting vibrations will be transferred to that food. So, if those aren't enough facts to make you stop eating meat and poultry, look inward to your own sense of compassion and empathy. You have to decide what you are going to eat and not going to eat according to your own set of values and intuition. If you feel you are in genuine need of meat for your house, the yogis recommend eating meat of animals that have died of natural causes because of their spiritually uplifting nature of nonviolence, and because of the intense karmic responsibility you must bear for causing animal suffering through hunting or slaughter or participating in eating slaughtered animals it always comes back to personal responsibility and remember when you are eating the energy of anger fear even to the point of terror injustice inhumanity and aggression you will emit the energy of those negative qualities You may be able to keep yourself in check, but what you emit vibrationally is what you attract back. So when people are rude to you, treat you unfairly, yell at you for no reason, cut in front of you in line at the supermarket, or cut you off in traffic, you may want to take a very probing look at what is going on within you that is attracting this type of reaction from others. A couple other no-nos are foods that are frozen, canned, processed, or fried. These foods have no nutritional value whatsoever. They leach the energy right out of your body. Let's talk a little bit about raw versus cooked. Raw foods contain more nutrition than cooked foods, that's true, but it's not a question of which have the most nutrients. It's about how much of those nutrients you are able to assimilate. If you can't assimilate them, they become toxins. It's much more difficult for us to break down raw food in order to make use of it in our bodies. Whereas cooked foods lose some of their nutrients in the cooking process, but they are so much easier to digest and assimilate. So generally, we utilize more of the nutrients in cooked foods. Not overcooked, just cooked right. Like Goldilocks and the bed that was not too hard, not too soft, just right. So anyway, once you know your constitution, Whether you are composed mostly of air and space, fire and water, or water and earth, and you know the qualities of foods, you will have the knowledge to choose foods that complement and balance your body's particular needs. Another part of your question was about creating our own realities about food. Some yogis can eat or drink poison and it won't affect them, because the other part of the food equation is that you are eating the beliefs contained in food all the way from the person who plants, nurtures, harvests, transports, sells, and cooks the food. And you are consuming the beliefs that you hold about food. So if you believe an apple, for instance, is bad for you, it will be. If you believe you get diabetes from eating too much sugar, then you will. Abraham Hicks says, drink all the water you can get in you, then eat what you like. That's great advice if you have no beliefs about food whatsoever. But most of us have been highly influenced by media propaganda And we forget that all food advertisements are paid for by someone, usually a huge corporation who wants you to believe what they are telling you, so you will buy their products. That's one reason there is so much confusion about food. There are so many conflicting messages. One day tofu is good for us, another day it's deadly. If you go by some of the common sense practices I've laid out, you'll be able to make informed decisions regardless of the latest media publicized food craze. Bashar says we need to set up an environment within our bodies that is conducive to health, and he lists six components that are necessary for this to happen. Oxygen, hydration, exercise, stress reduction, cleansing of the system, a lighter, simple diet consisting of fruits, vegetables, seeds, nuts, and grains. Well, Joe, I hope this answers your question and gives you a solid starting point to do more research on your own. Now is the time to question your beliefs, your principles, and the reasons for the choices you make so you aren't living according to the dictates of someone else's agenda. It's time to stop ingesting the things that don't serve you. And you know what? Just by asking this question, I know you are on the way to truth and clarity. So thank you very much for allowing me to share the story of food with our audience. We are going to take an itsy-bitsy break. And when we return, Caitlin Trepanier will be joining us. Caitlin helps individuals and groups learn the value of respect through speaking engagements and the books and plays she's written. She created a global initiative in order to raise the standard of living and quality of life for all people. It's called Connecting the Dots with the Respect Principle. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you have questions about love, life, relationships, happiness, health, and well-being, Please email them to me at nancy, at nancy at and maybe yours will be the ones chosen to be answered on air. If you need answers now, I provide a personal and private email consultation service. For details, please visit the Ask Nancy page on my website, nancyatnoon.com. And now it's time for another daily ditty. Music
2: Hi, Rob Ragazine here. Today we're talking about relationships and how important they are for your overall well-being. And Harvard researcher Nicholas Christakis says, each additional happy person in your social network, we're talking about real live networks, not Twitter or Facebook, makes you happier. And he says, imagine that I am connected to you and you are connected to others and others are connected to still others. It is this fabric of humanity, like an American patch quilt. Each person sits on a different colored patch. Imagine that these patches are happy and unhappy patches. Your happiness depends on what's going on in the patches around you. And the results from his work make it clear that the happier you are, the happier that those connected to you still will be. The more you dedicate your life to discovering your true purpose, more you'll help yourself, and the people that are connected to you will be happy as well. Gradually, as you become more conscious and alive, the whole world can become slowly more awake, alive, confident, and connected. Join me on my show, Signs and Symbols, each week as we discover more about ourselves and how to stay happy, healthy, and whole.
0: We are back. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. I am really grateful that you're here today to talk to us about respect and what that means for you. I mean, I know it's really important. So let's start by talking about what respect means to you. And like, does it mean doing what your parents or your teachers or your governmental leaders say just because they say to do it?
3: I I think we're taught a, a lot of how to do that. But I think the concept when I'm looking at is going deeper into that and looking at to what the word actually means itself when you look at the synonyms and the definitions. And it means to value and to esteem. There's a lot of positive meanings that, have, that it has. And when you go deeper into a word or a subject, then you find out how you can better use it to apply to your life. It's being thrown around a lot. And quite often people mistake the word admire to have the same meaning as respect, but they are actually very different in, in, in expressions and what they actually mean.
0: So, what does respect mean to you?
3: It means to me that you value everybody and everything. And actually, in, the, in connecting the dots with the respect principle, I have what I call the respect scale, and it reveals where we are in terms of how we value things. We certainly may may value, you know, our family more than we value. People down the road or people in another country. But as your respect level rises, you start to, you're, you're able to value, respect people that you don't know. And it's a matter of looking at something more from a holistic standpoint that we are all people. And it's not a matter of approving or agreeing with or liking, but it's a matter of your life, I'm a life. This is what respect is. And the higher you go up on the scale, the more you're able to be more compassionate more tolerant more accepting and more loving.
0: Mhm. I yeah I totally agree with that and I, and I think that this is a really important life skill. I'm wondering how how do we develop it? I mean if you don't have it or you don't have enough of it obviously it's you know there's uh, there are people in the world even within ourselves that we're not respectful enough so how do we develop this?
3: I found what what made a significant difference for me because I had a very low respect level based on experiences i had and being a very different personality type from the majority i experienced a lot of problems when i was younger and even throughout my life in between when i wasn't trying to be impressed people and please people um when i tried to be myself because i was had a low respect level i was sarcastic and you know i could be hurtful and judgmental and all that type of thing and as i developed a higher level of awareness of what respect meant and how little i had and as I worked on it for myself, it's, and, and it came through just education and raising my self-awareness and learning from others. I mean, I studied a lot of uh, people that I greatly admire for their high level of respect. Jesus Christ all the way to, you know, um, Mother Teresa, um, Gandhi, people who exemplified a high level of respect not just for themselves because when you have it not just for yourself, you also have it for others. And I found as my own level of respect went up, Then I have become more tolerant, less judgmental. I'm not where I want to be, but I certainly, I certainly, um, I didn't realize how I was so caught up in my pain and and the self-centeredness that radiated from that. And it, as much as I had a good heart um, and wanted to be good to people, um, my lack of trust and my brokenness got in the way of that. And as I've worked to want to be highly respectful of everybody, that has transformed me by just making the effort to raise my awareness and to look at other people and how they've done it.
0: I totally agree with all those points. And we can't really have respect for others unless and until we have respect for ourselves. You know, what we perceive to be outside ourselves is really just a mirror of the beliefs we hold within. So how does one develop respect for oneself if, you know, if we start off with low self-esteem like how did what did what were your steps the steps uh, included um, looking to people that I admired
3: um, not respected but that I admired that I found their lives um, an epitome of what I wanted to achieve in myself and I started to study them and that was where part of it came in I was motivated by wanting to be different and I wanted to create different results for myself so I looked to people that I wanted to model after and then from there, then I started studying a little bit about, you know, psychology and philosophy and, and history, and even going back and looking through humanity's history, that we keep repeating the same thing, because we're, if we don't continue to kind of grow and evolve, we keep doing the same patterns over again. And psychology certainly shows that, as well as history, that what we need to do is just like breaking an old habit. It's, you know, you're breaking your, your low respect level and creating a new one whether you quit smoking, get into to running or whatever it is that you need you need to do. You want to get back, be- you want to grow, you want to get better. So it's the same thing. You use the same tools. You look at, okay, where am I now and where do I want to be? And then look for different ways um and different people who will motivate you to get you there. I mean, some people look to Oprah Winfrey in the sense that not only is she wealthy, but you know, she's a very giving person. Uh some people look more to wizards such as in Google and Facebook and it doesn't matter if, if you're the people you admire have higher respect level qualities then as you study of them you become aware of where you can make some changes to get closer to the ideal that you want to get to.
0: How has your outside circumstances or your environment or the way people treat you how has that changed from before you started to develop your self-respect and respect for others?
3: Because I had been didn't know how to handle a lot of stuff before because of my ro- low respect level, I was very defensive, um, reactionary, took too much, uh, far too personally, and I overall didn't respond as well as I could to the world around me. And I have found a significant difference in you know, if somebody's having a bad day, I don't let their bad day color my day. I mean, I have empathy for them, I have you know, I certainly. Have a higher level of compassion for what they might be going through, but I no longer take on the weight of the world. So, which is therefore made me more capable of fully realizing my own potential.
0: And this came about because you developed more self-respect within yourself. Definitely, I for for a while because of the brokenness,
3: I became ego-driven, and ego t- ego tends to operate on being highly competitive and wanting to be the best, and but not necessarily for the right reasons. What made the difference with a higher respect level was I just wanted to be me and the best me that I could be. So it eliminated a lot of the outward energy that I didn't have to focus on. I'm not in, I'm not in competition with anybody else. I'm competing with myself to be who I want to be.
0: Uh, you wrote a couple of things that I've I made note of. When a person three statements actually when a person feels valued, she takes better care of herself, and they are inspired to develop their full potential. And also that people who respect themselves value and respect others, thus reducing the problems manifested by the low respect level mentality. Those are those aren't exactly what you wrote, but yep. those are the are the concepts of what you were saying. So I think one of the most important things, well they're all very important, all three of those are super important. You take better care of yourself. That's that's huge.
3: It has huge implications. Um, I mean, when you look at it from all different levels, whether you look at it from a financial dif- perspective, healthcare, in terms of bad habits, how you convert them to, you know, you make better choices for your food, for your exercise, um, for, ha- for learning how to handle stress. And, you know, again, you learn how to handle it because you realize you don't have to take on everybody's stuff, but you can be there for them. Financially, you become more responsible. You know, you get away, get, get away from a lot of the habits that people develop spending money to try to fill a void that can't possibly be filled by spending money.
0: Yes, and something very important what you said going back to your example of when you could walk into a room and somebody would be in a be having a bad day and and you would take that on whereas now you don't take that on, so it's really uh about emotional care, mental and emotional care as well. I mean, how many of us get a, get um infected, basically, by somebody else's bad mood. And if we can even just that one point, just that one reason alone, if we develop the sense of respect for ourselves just so that we're not picking up somebody else's bad day, that's a major start, isn't it?
3: Oh, very much so. And ironically, as my respect level has grown as well, it's empowered me to make the emotional choices, the financial choices, the relationship choices, but also the spiritual choice, you know, the willingness to be able to... Stay open to learning and new possibilities and fresh perspective is the thing that results oh, from higher. The higher your respect level goes, the more you are willing to realize your potential. But by in order to do that, you have to be willing to let go of the old ideas that you had and to embrace new ideas and to fit them into who you are
0: now. Yes, realize our potential. Realize, I think everybody wants to live their full potential and they don't quite know how. And this is one really good life skill to. Start somebody on that path. And I really want to thank you, Caitlin, for taking the time to share this information with our audience today. I really feel that respect is a very misunderstood life skill, and I think it's a crucial skill that everyone needs to develop. And if you, my audience, want to bring more respect into your home and your family life, or to your office or work setting, Caitlin's book Connecting the Dots with the Respect Principle is available as an ebook on SmashWords and will be available in hard copy in the new year. And Caitlin lives in my town. Kincardine, Ontario, and here in Kincardine, like most other places, we have many service clubs such as the Lions Club, Rotary Club, Women in Business, uh, churches, who are, I'm sure, would love to have you speak at their meetings. So, Caitlin, if someone wants to engage you to speak to their their group or their school or organization, how can they reach you?
3: One of the one of the easiest ways to reach me is if they go to the blog, uh, the Respect Principle. There's a contact form on there that gives them the information uh, about who I am and how, they can, how I can proceed from there. And um, they can also give me a call, 226-881-2247.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Caitlin, for joining us today and sharing your journey with our audience. As Caitlin mentioned, self-esteem is a key factor in being able to develop a sense of respect for ourselves, others, and the world around us and it just so happens i'm giving away a free ebook called 24 strategies to dramatically increase your self-esteem written by moi all you have to do is scroll to the bottom of the first page of my website nancyatnoon.com and sign up for the newsletter and Shazam it will be delivered to your inbox instantly so easy the book is super simple to read it's not going to take you a lot of time I laid out the 24 strategies in a clear and concise manner. You can pick and choose the ones that resonate with you or implement all 24 strategies into your life and become an amazingly confident individual with strong self-worth. Everyone is attracted to people who radiate confidence. alrighty yo. that's our show for today, folks. Catch us again next week. In the meantime, be sure to send me your questions. I really do want to hear from you.
1: Thanks for joining us again on Slightly Askew with Nancy at Noon. We've enjoyed your company and hope it's been fun for you, too. If you like what you're hearing, please share us with your friends and family because, well, they might like us, too. You can find us online at nancyatnoon.com. We've got fascinating blog posts, recipes, self-help books, weight loss CDs, coaching programs, art, jewelry, and all kinds of other cool stuff. Go ahead and check us out. nancyatnoon.com. You'll be glad you get it.